Chapter 4 of Animals of the Past by Frederick Lucas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Smith. Rulers of the Ancient Seas. A time there was when the universe was darkness and water, wherein certain animals of frightful and compound mien were generated. There were serpents and other creatures with the mixed shapes of one another. The Archaic Genesis History shows us how in the past nation after nation has arisen, increased in size and strength, extended its bounds and dominion until it became the ruling power of the world and then passed out of existence often so completely that nothing has remained save a few mounds of dirt marking the graves of former cities and so it has been with the kingdoms of nature just as greece carthage and rome were successively the rulers of the sea in the days that we call old so long before the advent of man the seas were ruled by successive races of creatures whose bones now lie scattered over the beds of the ancient seas even as the wrecks of galleys lie strewn over the bed of the mediterranean for a time the armor-clad fishes held undisputed sway then their reign was ended by the coming of the sharks who in their turn gave way to the fish lizards the ichthyosaurs and plesiosaurs these however were rather local in their rule but the next group of reptiles to appear on the scene the great marine reptiles called mosasaurs practically extended their empire around the world from new zealand to north america we properly call these reptiles great for so they were but there are degrees of greatness and there is a universal tendency to think of the animals that have become extinct as much greater than those of the present day to magnify the reptile that we never saw as well as the fish that got away and it may be safely said that the greatest of animals will shrink before a two-foot rule as a matter of fact no animals are known to have existed that were larger than the whales and while there are now no reptiles that can compare in bulk with the dinosaurs there were few mosasaurs that exceeded in size a first-class crocodile an occasional mosasaur reaches a length of forty feet but such are rare indeed and one even twenty-five feet long is a large specimen while the great mugger or man-eating crocodile grows if permitted to a length of twenty-five or even thirty feet and need not be ashamed to match his bulk and jaws against those of most mosasaurs footnote it is surprising to find professor cope placing the length of the mosasaurs at seventy eighty or one hundred feet as there is not the slightest basis for even the lowest of these figures professor williston the best authority on the subject states in his volume on the cretaceous reptiles of kansas 
that there is not in existence any specimen of a mosasaur indicating a greater length than forty-five feet. End of footnote. The first of these sea reptiles to be discovered has passed into history and now reposes in the Jardin de Plantes, Paris, after changing hands two or three times, the original owner being dispossessed of his treasure by the subtleties of law, while the next holder was deprived of the specimen by main force. Thus the story is told by M. Foge St. Fond, as rendered into English in Mantel's Petrifactions and Their Teachings some workmen in blasting the rock in one of the caverns of the interior of the mountain perceived to their astonishment the jaws of a large animal attached to the roof of the chasm the discovery was immediately made known to m hoffman who repaired to the spot and for weeks presided over the arduous task of separating the mass of stone containing these remains from the surrounding rock his labors were rewarded by the successful extrication of the specimen which he conveyed in triumph to his house this extraordinary discovery however soon became the subject of general conversation and excited so much interest that the canon of the cathedral which stands on the mountain resolved to claim the fossil in right of being lord of the manor and succeeded after a long and harassing lawsuit in obtaining the precious relic it remained for years in his possession and hoffman died without regaining his treasure at length the french revolution broke out and the armies of the republic advanced to the gates of maastricht the town was bombarded but at the suggestion of the committee of savans who accompanied the french troops to select their share of the plunder the artillery was not suffered to play on that part of the city in which the celebrated fossil was known to be preserved in the meantime the canon of st peter's shrewdly suspecting the reason why such peculiar favor was shown to his residence removed the specimen and concealed it in a vault but when the city was taken the french authorities compelled him to give up his ill-gotten prize which was immediately transmitted to the jardin de plantes at paris where it still forms one of the most interesting objects in that magnificent collection and there it remains to this day the seas that rolled over western Kansas were the headquarters of the Mosasaurs, and hundreds, I thousands, of specimens have been taken from the chalk bluffs of that region, some of them in such a fine state of preservation that we are not only well acquainted with their internal structure, but with their outward appearance as well. They were essentially swimming lizards, great overgrown and distant relatives of the monitors of africa and asia especially adapted to a roving predatory life by their powerful tails and paddle-shaped feet their cup and ball vertebrae indicate great flexibility of the body 
their sharp teeth denote ability to capture slippery prey and the structure of the lower jaw shows that they probably ate in a hurry and swallowed their food entire or bolted it in great chunks the jaws of all reptiles are made up of a number of pieces but these are usually so spliced together that each half of the jaw is one inflexible or nearly inflexible mass of bone in snakes which swallow their prey entire the difficulty of swallowing animals greater in diameter than themselves is surmounted by having the two halves of the lower jaw loosely joined at the free ends so that these may spread wide apart and thus increase the gape of the mouth this is also helped by the manner in which the jaw is joined to the head the pelican solves the problem by the length of his mandibles this allowing so much spring that when open they bow apart to form a nice little landing net in the mosasaurs as in the cormorants among birds there is a sort of joint in each half of the lower jaw which permits it to bow outward when opened and this aided by the articulation of the jaw with the cranium adds greatly to the swallowing capacity thus in nature the same end is attained by very different methods to borrow a suggestion from professor cope if the reader will extend his arms at full length the palms touching and then bend his elbows outward he will get a very good idea of the action of a mosasaur's jaw the western sea was a lively place in the day of the great mosasaurs for with them swam the king of turtles archelon as mr wheland has fitly named him a creature a dozen feet or more in length with a head a full yard long while in the shallows prowled great fishes with massive jaws and teeth like spikes there too was the great toothed diver hesperornis see page eighty three while over the waters flew pterodactyls with a spread of wing of twenty feet largest of all flying creatures and not improbably nay very probably fish eaters too and when each and all of these were seeking their dinners there were troublous times for the small fry in that old kansan sea and then there came a change to the south to the west to the north the land was imperceptibly but surely rising perhaps only an inch or two in a century but still rising until the ocean in which flourished this abundant and vigorous life was at last completely enclosed on the west by elevations of sea bottom so that it only communicated with the atlantic and pacific at the gulf of mexico and the arctic sea the continued elevation of both eastern and western shores contracted its area and when ridges of the sea bottom reached the surface forming long low bars parts of the water area were included and connection with salt water prevented thus were the living beings imprisoned and subjected to many new risks to life 
the stronger could more readily capture the weaker while the fishes would gradually perish through the constant freshening of the water with the death of any considerable class the balance of food supply would be lost and many large species would disappear from the scene the most omnivorous and enduring would longest resist the approach of starvation but would finally yield to inexorable fate the last one caught by the shifting bottom among shallow pools from which his exhausted energies could not extricate him footnote cope the vertebrata of the cretaceous formations of the west page fifty being the report of the united states geological survey of the territories volume two End of footnote. like the fossil man the sea serpent flourishes perennially in the newspapers and despite the fact that he is now mainly regarded as a joke there have been many attempts to habilitate this mythical monster and place him on a foundation of firm fact the most earnest of these was that of m udemans who expressed his belief in the existence of some rare and huge seal-like creature whose occasional appearance in southern waters gave rise to the best authenticated reports of the sea serpent among other possibilities it has been suggested that some animal believed to be extinct had really lived over to the present day now there are a few waifs spared from the wrecks of ancient faunas stranded on the shores of the present such as the australian serratitis and the gar pikes of north america and these and all other creatures that could be mustered in were used as proofs to sustain this theory if it was said these animals have been spared why not others if a fish of such ancient lineage as the gar pike is so common as to be a nuisance why may there not be a few plesiosaurs or a mosasaur somewhere in the depths of the ocean the argument was a good one the more that we may suppose almost anything but it must be said that no trace of any of these creatures has so far been found outside of the strata in which they have long been known to occur and all the probabilities are opposed to this theory still if some of these creatures had been spared they might well have passed for sea serpents even though zuglodon the one most like a serpent in form was the one most remotely related to snakes zuglodon the yoke tooth so named from the shape of its great cutting teeth was indeed a strange animal and if we wonder at the greenland whale whose head is one-third its total length we may equally wonder at zuglodon with four feet of head ten feet of body and forty feet of tail 
no one seeing the bones of the trunk and tail for the first time would suspect that they belong to the same animal for while the vertebrae of the body are of moderate size those of the tail are for the bulk of the creature the longest known measuring from fifteen to eighteen inches in length and weighing in a fossil condition fifty to sixty pounds in life the animal was from fifty to seventy feet in length and not more than six or eight feet through the deepest part of the body while the tail was much less the head was small and pointed the jaws well armed with grasping and cutting teeth and just back of the head was a pair of short paddles not unlike those of a fur seal it is curious to speculate on the habits of a creature in which the tail so obviously wagged the dog and whose articulations all point to great freedom of movement up and down this may mean that it was an active diver descending to great depths to prey upon squid as the sperm whale does today while it seems quite certain that it must have reared at least a third of its great length out of the water to take a comprehensive view of its surroundings and if size is any indication of power the great tail which obviously ended in flukes like those of a whale must have been capable of propelling the beast at a speed of twenty or thirty miles an hour something of the kind must have been needed in order that the small head might provide food enough for the great tail and it has been suggested that inability to do this was the reason why Zuglodon became extinct. On the other hand, it has been ingeniously argued that the huge tail served to store up fat when food was plenty, which was drawn upon when food became scarce. The fur seals do something similar to this, for the males come on shore in May rolling in blubber and depart in September lean and hungry after a three months fast zuglodons must have been very numerous in the old gulf of mexico for bones are found abundantly through portions of our southern states it was also an inhabitant of the old seas of southern europe but as we shall see it gave place to the great fossil shark and this in turn passed out of existence still common though its bones may be stories of their use for making stone walls and these stories are still in circulation resolve themselves on close scrutiny into the occasional use of a big vertebra to support the corner of a corn crib the scientific name of zuglodon is bacillosaurus setoides the whale-like king lizard the first of these names bacillosaurus having been given to it by the original describer dr harlan who supposed the animal to have been a reptile now it is a primary rule of nomenclature that the first name given to an animal must stick and may not be changed even by the act of a zoological congress so zuglodon must so far as its name is concerned masquerade as a reptile for the rest of its paleontological life 
this however really matters very little because scientific names are simply verbal handles by which we may grasp animals to describe them and dr leconte to show how little there may be in a name called a beetle giascatus owen's name of zuglodon although not tenable as a scientific name is too good to be wasted and being readily remembered and easily pronounced may be used as a popular name one might think that a creature sixty or seventy feet long was amply long enough but dr albert coke thought otherwise and did with zuglodon as later on he did with the mastodon combining the vertebrae of several individuals until he had a monster one hundred fourteen feet long this he exhibited in europe under the name of hydrarchus or water king finally disposing of the composite creature to the museum of dresden where it was promptly reduced to its proper dimensions the natural makeup of zuglodon is sufficiently composite without any aid from man for the head and paddles are not unlike those of a seal the ribs are like those of a manatee and the shoulder blades are precisely like those of a whale while the vertebrae are different from those of any other animal even its own cousin and lesser contemporary dorodon there were also tiny hind legs tucked away beneath skin but these as well as many other parts of the animal's structure were unknown until mr charles schuchert collected a series of specimens for the national museum from which it was possible to restore the entire skeleton owing to a rather curious circumstance the first attempt at a restoration was at fault among the bones originally obtained by mr schuchert there were none from the last half of the tail an old gully having cut off the hinder portion of the backbone and destroyed the vertebrae not far away however was a big lump of stone containing several vertebrae of just the right size and these were used as models to complete the papier-mache skeleton shown at atlanta in 1894 but a year after mr schuchert collected a series of vertebrae beginning with the tip of the tail and these showed conclusively that the first lot of tail vertebrae belonged to a creature still undescribed and one probably more like a whale than zuglodon himself whose exact relationships are a little uncertain as may be imagined from what was said of its structure mixed with the bones of zuglodon was the shell of a turtle nearly three feet long and part of the backbone of a great water snake that must have been twenty-five feet long both previously quite unknown one more curious thing about zuglodon bones remains to be told and then we are done with him ordinarily a fossil bone will break indifferently in any direction but the bones of zuglodon are built like an onion of concentric layers and these have a great tendency to peel off during the preparation of a specimen 
and now as the wheels of time and change rolled slowly on sharks again came uppermost and the warmer eocene and miocene oceans appear to have fairly teemed with these sea wolves there were small sharks with slender teeth for catching little fishes there were larger sharks with saw-like teeth for cutting slices out of larger fishes and there were sharks that might almost have swallowed the biggest fish of today whole sharks of a size the waters had never before contained and fortunately do not contain now we know these monsters mostly by their teeth for their skeletons were cartilaginous and this absence of their remains is probably the reason why these creatures are passed by while the adjectives huge immense enormous are lavished on the mosasaurs and plesiosaurs animals that the great toothed shark carcharodon megalodon might well have eaten at a meal for the gaping jaws of one of these sharks with its hundreds of gleaming teeth must at a moderate estimate have measured not less than six feet across the great white shark the man-eater so often found in story-books so rarely met with in real life attains a length of thirty feet and a man just makes him a good satisfactory lunch now a tooth of this shark is an inch and a quarter long while a tooth of the huge megalodon is commonly three often four and not infrequently five inches long applying the rule of three to such a tooth as this would give a shark one hundred twenty feet long bigger than most whales to whom a man would be but a mouthful just enough to whet his shark ship's appetite even granting that the rule of three unduly magnifies the dimensions of the brute and making an ample reduction there would still remain a fish between seventy-five and one hundred feet long quite large enough to satisfy the most ambitious of tuna fishers and to have made bathing in the miocene ocean unpopular contemporary with the great tooth shark was another and closely related species that originated with him in eocene times and these two may possibly have had something to do with the extinction of zuglodon this species is distinguished by having on either side of the base of the great triangular cutting teeth a little projection or cusp like the ear on a jar so that this species has been named auriculatus or eared the edges of the teeth are also more saw-like than in those of its greater relative and as the species must have attained a length of fifty or sixty feet it may with its better armature have been quite as formidable and as perhaps the readers of these pages may know the supply of teeth never ran short back of each tooth one behind another arranged in serried ranks lay a reserve of six or seven smaller but growing teeth and whenever a tooth of the front row was lost the tooth immediately behind it took its place and like a well-trained soldier kept the front line unbroken thus the teeth of sharks are continually developing at the back 
and all the teeth are steadily pushing forward a very simple mechanical arrangement causing the teeth to lie flat until they reach the front of the jaw and come into use once fairly started in life these huge sharks spread themselves throughout the warm seas of the world for there was none might stand before them and say nay they swarmed along our southern coast from maryland to texas they swarmed everywhere that the water was sufficiently warm for their teeth occur in tertiary strata in many parts of the world and the deep-sea dredges of the challenger and albatross have brought up their teeth by scores and then they perished perished as utterly as did the hosts of sennacherib why we do not know did they devour everything large enough to be eaten throughout their habitat and then fall to eating one another again we do not know but perish they did while the smaller white shark which came into being at the same time still lives as if to emphasize the fact that it is best not to overdo things and that in the long run the victory is not always to the largest references the finest mosasaur skeleton ever discovered an almost complete skeleton of tylosaurus dispelor twenty-nine feet in length may be seen at the head of the staircase leading to the hall of paleontology in the american museum of natural history new york another good specimen may be seen in the yale university museum which probably has the largest collection of mosasaurs in existence another fine collection is in the museum of the state university of kansas at lawrence the best zooglodon the first to show the vestigial hind legs and to make clear other portions of the structure is in the united states national museum the great sharks are known in this country by their teeth only and as these are common in the phosphate beds specimens may be seen in almost any collection in the united states national museum the jaws of a twelve-foot blue shark are shown for comparison the largest tooth in that collection is five and three-fourths inches high and five inches across the base it takes five teeth of the blue shark to fill the same number of inches the mosasaurs are described in detail by professor s w williston in volume four of the university geological survey of kansas there is a technical and consequently uninteresting account of zooglodon in volume twenty three of the proceedings of the united states national museum page three twenty seven end of chapter four